Hiller, hiller, and welcome to another episode of Fluently Forward. We are doing things a little bit uh, different this week. We're going to do like a little trending roundup, kind of similar to how the Substack newsletters go, where we talk about things that are trending right now, some top of the news, pop of the news, pop culture stuff, and kind of how the blinds relate to it and just some thoughts on it, because I feel like there's been a very random, eclectic mix of things going on right now. Let me tell you about some of the things we will be talking about. When I say random and eclectic, I'm not kidding. Um, some things on the list are the Dumois book and TV show that are going to be coming out. Gwyneth Paltrow's diapers from Goop, Madonna's NFTs of her vagina, Lori Harvey, we're going to be doing like a little bit of a deep dive into her, and Sophie Turner's latest news, and Kevin Spacey, and all of his alleged dead accusers. So yeah, it's, it's a little random eclectic mix. And some of it's light and some of it's dark. So let's just get into it and just, I hope you're enjoying a coffee or whatever I am. I had a dream. I just woke up a couple hours ago and I had a dream last night. I know it's like so annoying when people tell you about their dream, but this one is like celebrity related. I've been also influencer related. I had a dream the other night that very Harry Hill was like getting lunch with me and it was so fun. But last night I dreamt that Bella Hadid <laughs> kept... We would go to gym class together because like in my dream we were in high school and then she kept sneaking me out of class to like take me to lunch and like we would skip class and go out for lunch and she would pay for it and then we would come back and then there was like this hurricane natural disaster. Anyway, but in the dream, I just felt so special because I will admit I've been consuming a little bit more of like Bella Hadid's content lately and I think this kind of came across too in her Vogue article. There is something about Bella Hadid that I think is just very almost kind of otherworldly, more kind than you would get with someone else, like this empathetic, sweet nature. And I get such a kick out of the TikTok videos where it's this trend and they're like, Bella Hadid, I don't know, like Bella Hadid cleaning out her toenails and it's her cleaning out her or someone pretending to be her cleaning out their toenails with like a crop top on and like slowly moving and being like, my toenails are dirty, no? Because you know, she's always doing like that European accent. Anyway, so that's how I woke up this morning. Um, all right, let's kick things off with something that's like not too rotted, mostly kind of fun, and that is the Goop diaper. You've probably seen a little bit of this on social media. But we all know Goop, we all know Goop, Gwyneth Paltrow's company. I, at least, I love Goop. Have I bought anything from it? No, but I've always said, this is what we want from our celebrities. I want a celebrity to make a health and wellness company that tells women to put, you know, certain objects up their vagina and to steam their vagina and to make a candle that smells like their vagina. Like, that is what I want. I don't want Gwyneth Paltrow telling me how to coupon. I don't want her telling me that I should max out my 401k. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think I want celebrities to uh, provide us with entertainment, do something a little bit unhinged, and then like donate. You know, I want them to be a little bit charitable. And that kind of falls into the story as well. So this past Wednesday on Goop, 
a post came out and it was about the diaper and there's like a, you know, a mark over the E. So it's pronounced the diaper. And this is how the caption reads and the picture of the diaper. You, you can just search for it. It's pretty interesting. The caption reads, our new disposable diaper lined with virgin alpaca wool and fastened with amber gemstones known for their ancient emotional cleansing properties infused with a scent of jasmine and bergamot if that's even how you pronounce it, for a revitalized baby. I am such a slut for marketing that just reading that, <laughs> just reading that made me feel more relaxed. Just reading that, I was like, I don't even have a baby, but like, yes, like the amber gemstones, like you can't lie. There's something so tantalizing about, I don't know, so certain words, they just get me. You know what I always love too? Pairing a country with then a product, so like French vanilla or like German chocolate. And I know sometimes it's not for a product, you know, it's for a description or a type of something. But to me, it just oh, it just sounds so luxurious, infused with a scent of jasmine. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Anyway, I thought it was awesome. I was like, goop diaper, hilarious. Like, of course, it's out of touch. But, you know, like, be good to yourself. If if goop is triggering you, just, like, block goop. Um, everything out of the, on there is out of touch. So it sparked all of this outrage. And a bunch of people were, you know, saying that this is uh, tone deaf, very out of touch. A lot of comments saying that, you know, thousands of parents in the USA can't even afford basic diapers. And, like, you're doing this. And it's just, like, so awful. And then the next day, Gwyneth Paltrow posts a video saying that these diapers, or sorry, the diaper, was a publicity stunt to call out the issue of the luxury tax that is uh, priced on diapers. I think it's also on tampons and other shit like that. It's so fucking stupid. So she basically said this was designed to piss us off because if treating diapers like a luxury makes you mad, so should taxing them like a luxury, which is... <laughs> I get what she's doing. And I like that, um, you know, they're urging people to donate and things like that. But I will say <laughs> that sentence, if treating diapers like a luxury makes you mad, so should taxing them like a luxury. And I just say like the people who are probably mad at your post, they're probably also still mad at the luxury tax. You know what I mean? It's not like, I don't know, there's parents in the USA who are struggling to afford diapers, which by the way, did you know when you have a baby, they shit like eight times a day. Like you need an obscene amount of diapers. Like it, it, it blows the mind. Anyway, so the same people who are like, I am struggling to make end meets and, you know, buy all these diapers for my child, they probably aren't the same people who are like, but you know what? I'm fine with the luxury tax. So I kind of don't know who Gwyneth Paltrow was like, you know, supposed to piss off. I mean, I guess it, you know, gives awareness to the fact of, you know, diapers are being taxed like a luxury. Maybe people didn't know that. And I think on a deeper issue too, this and you know, can you can you hear my hesitation and starting to talk about something like this? But I will say, I have worked in the nonprofit space for the last thirteen years, and I think something that is frustrating me with um, you know things like this, and also I saw a TikTok this morning of uh, people's signs at the Women's March uh, to protect abortion rights, and obviously I am all for spreading awareness, right? I am all for Gwyneth Paltrow alerting us to this tax. I'm all for people making signs and protesting um, what's going on with abortion rights and being able to keep these rights that women deserve. But I will say, just from a nonprofit standpoint, I just wish that there was a little bit more, and to use marketing lingo here, a little bit of a CT there, right? You need the call to action for any campaign to be successful. So I wish that Gwyneth Paltrow did this and then tagged, you know, 
five senators who are enforcing this luxury tax. And I just wish that when people make, you know, the quippy signs uh, that they also say, and we are marching because we want to end the filibuster, or we're marching because we want this new amendment, or we're marching because we want X, Y, Z. You know, I, I love the awareness, but I do think we kind of live in a day and age now where everything is awareness and less action. You know, everybody can share an Instagram infographic, but nobody's like writing letters to people or calling someone. And I just think having worked in the nonprofit sector for a while, uh, of course, awareness is important, but especially Gwyneth Paltrow had such like a cool chance to say like, yes, luxury makes you mad. So we're doing X, Y, Z just because I don't know, like, what are you doing? Dunking on the people who can't afford diapers? Like, and I will say I, uh, this past weekend I was out with my friend and the lovely Kelly Williams from beyond the blinds. And of course the whole night we were just like gossiping about celebrities and things like that. And her and Troy did a, um, beyond the blinds episode on Beyonce blind items. You have to go check it out. It's a two-parter because there are just so many blinds. And she was telling me something that I had no idea about, um, which is that a lot of people think that Becky with the good hair is Gwyneth Paltrow. And I was like, what? Gwyneth Paltrow? If you type into Google, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Gwyneth Paltrow, you're going to see a lot of like photos. There are some rumors that like the three of them were kind of all in a relationship. There are some rumors that it was Jay-Z and Gwyneth. There was some rumors that it was the three of them, but then like the three became a two, became a one. All I'm going to say is listen to the episode. And I did not know that Gwyneth Paltrow and Jay-Z even knew each other, um, let alone that their photos are so like cuddly. So head on over to Google Images. Check that out. All right, keeping with the theme of celebrities doing crazy things, but me actually adoring it and wanting them to keep doing more, let's talk about Madonna's vagina because she wants us to, okay? I'm not being creepy this time, okay? She she wants us to be talking about her vagina. So Madonna has recently put out an explicit NFT collection, which is always funny because like whenever people talk about things that are nude, I've seen other headlines too. They're like Madonna's graphic NFT collection. And I just always think graphic and explicit. Shouldn't you use that for violence? I don't know. My boyfriend and I recently have watched three of the Purge movies. Did you know that there's five? I'm like, I'm loving it. I, I'm loving watching the Purge movies. Please, if you, if you have like a rainy day and you don't know what to do, watch one of the Purge movies. But I'm like, that's explicit, you know, like, a, I don't know. Anything else is just nude, but whatever, let's get into it. So Madonna has released uh, NFTs, a collection called Mother of Creation. God, don't you love this already? And it's these NFTs of her or, you know, like a cartoon digital drawing of her um, giving birth to art and creativity. And it's her giving birth to like a tree coming out of her vagina or like her legs are spread and like the earth is, uh, you know, coming out of her vagina. And honestly, I guess there's backlash for it just because I think I don't know much about the crypto community and things like that. But let's just say that some are saying that this inspired them and some are saying that they hated this. And once again, I love this. You want Madonna to make NFTs of her giving birth to, uh, you know, like a landslide coming out of her vagina. That's what I want. I don't want her shopping at Sam's Club. I want Madonna giving birth to like, you know, an ocean and a polar bear out of her vagina. That's what I want. That interests me and that entertains me. So 
I'm personally a fan of that. And who knows, maybe Fluently Forward will make some NFTs. I don't know what they would be. It would probably be some like Taylor Swift, Gaylor stuff on there. Maybe like, maybe like a, ooh, maybe like Lana Del Rey hexing Dax Shepard. <laughs> Lana Del Rey using her like witchy powers to like put a spell on a Dumois or something. Oh, and speaking of, let's, let's cover the Dumois thing right now. Want more bite for your buck? Every Plate is America's best value meal kit with delicious dinners that don't break the bank. I have been trying Every Plate. The reason I love it is because um, I am a solo household. (laughs) And sometimes if you want like mustard for a recipe, for example, you don't want to buy a $12 bottle of mustard if you're only going to use a squirt of it. You know what I mean? So I like using Every Plate because you're able to use as many ingredients as you want without breaking the bank like they say there are a lot of meal kits that are basically so expensive that you're better off grocery shopping every plate it sets itself apart from other meal kits because they have the lowest price point I have ever seen. So you can try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code fluently179. That is everyplate.com and the code is fluently179. You know Dumois, the other blind item creator along with NT from Crazy Days and Nights. And then we also have Blind Gossip. We have Laney Gossip. There's a bunch of different websites. And I would say Dumois is arguably the biggest. I think they have like 1.5 million Instagram followers. Um, And I just think they put everything on Instagram and they made blind items just kind of something that people would talk about, use it in everyday language. And all these other blind item websites, I kind of prefer them because I, I, if there's anything I love in this world, it is doing something on a desktop monitor, you know, like looking up gossip on a desktop monitor in your computer chair. To me, it's just more fun. I feel like I'm researching rather than if I look at it on my phone, I'm just like, oh damn, I'm contributing to like even more screen time, which I know doesn't make sense, but whatever. But do more really put blinds on the map in a way that other blind item websites haven't been able to. And, you know, say what you want about Dumois, you know, God knows I could say what I want. I'm fucking blocked still. Anyway, no big deal. Um, But yay for Dumois for getting blinds in the zeitgeist. Now, I think the reason that I'm blocked from Dumois is that have they put blinds in the zeitgeist? Yes. But I also harbor, you know me, I'm a little conspiracy theorist. I also harbor a feeling I have a feeling and I have a fact and we are talking about it today, which is that I think Dumois is associated with people's blind items or sorry, people's PR firms and things like that. Now, when my TikTok was first starting to take off with all of these blind items and coverage of celebrities and things like that, I will be honest with you. I was on vacation with my boyfriend, brother, and sister-in-law. They just had a baby, by the way. Congratulations to them. And we were in Slovenia, and we were brainstorming ideas of how I could make money off of my TikTok account, which, by the way, still not really coming up with many. So if you think of any, let me know. Anyway, but we were having this idea. We were like, you know what? Brendan was like... Shannon, I bet if people reached out to you, you could kind of put out fake blinds or like hand pick, cherry pick ones to try and change people's narratives. And it's 100% true. That could absolutely happen, especially I've seen it in my comments with the way that people are so gullible with believing 
everything that they read online. I've done it. You've done it. We've all done it. But imagine this. Imagine you are doing PR for your client and you have some like fucking D-list actor and you're trying to get his name. You know, you want more Gen Z people to be talking about him. If you reach out to Dumois, right, and there's two ways this could go. One, you could just pretend that you have a tip. Uh, let's say you represent Billy Bob <laughs> and you really want people to know about Billy Bob. You could write into Dumois and be like, I saw Billy Bob at Carbone and he had diarrhea in the bathroom, Anon, please, and then hope that they would post it. Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. Another thing that could happen, which my little personal conspiracy theory, is that you could reach out to Dumois and you could say, hey, I represent Billy Bob. For $3,000, could you say that he was spotted walking down the sidewalk in Soho and he's much taller than you would think? Anon, please. And then let's say potentially, maybe, allegedly, Dumois could take 3K and post something like that. God knows I probably would. Sounds like a great way to make money. And the reason I think this happens, I've spoken about it on Instagram, is because maybe I'll make... <laughs> This is kind of toxic, but you know what? I'm going to add it to my Instagram highlights back when I was like ranting about this for Dumois because I'm already blocked. So who cares? Anytime it's PR lingo, you will notice it now. And it has happened so many times in the past. Dumois is always saying that they spotted a couple looking very much in love. And somebody just wrote in saying, wow, I saw, you know, Justin and Haley um, on the sidewalk and they looked very much in love. Anytime you see very much blank, you know that that is a PR company or a tabloid magazine or a copywriter who is writing that. When have you ever, ever, I'm going to go back through my text message, right? Oh no. Text messages don't work because I wish you could search for a phrase like very much in text messages. Okay, here we go. I'm looking for it. Yeah, very much a vibe or I love that idea very much. You never use it to describe someone. You'd never be like, oh, they were looking very much angry or they were looking very much happy. It is, you see it everywhere in Us Weekly, People Magazine, shit like that. So maybe Dumois doesn't know that PR people are writing into her and she's posting what they send in, or maybe she does and there's a little bit of money changing hands, but I've just always operated under the theory that I think, you know, there's like a little bit of a, a, a sim symbiotic relationship there. And now I am like even further confirmed that there is because Dumois has a publishing deal for a du debut, <laughs> Dumois's debut, and the novel is called Anon, Please. And it's going to be this book that she's writing, or let's be honest, it's probably like a little bit of a ghostwriter situation. I think, you know, every book that comes out from an influencer or a celebrity nowadays has someone helping them write it. And it's going to be all about like this fictional tale kind of adjacent to how Dumois got started. So it's going to follow the journey of like, I don't know, some girl who works in fashion and then she started doing uh, gossip through an anonymous Instagram account and it blew up and like, holy shit, her life changed and the love that she met along the way and the enemies that she made was one of them fluently forward. Yeah, baby, plug it. That probably won't happen. But anyway, so that book is coming out. It's not out yet. Nothing. But then we got news that the book is going to be adapted for an HBO Max series. And everybody's like, what in the fuck? Like, I can't believe this book isn't even out and already it's going to be a series. Now, I will say some of you guys just sound bitter because there are some people where like, you know, like Addison Ray gets a makeup line and people are like, what the fuck? She doesn't deserve it. All she does is dance. And then Dumois gets a book and a TV show and people are like, what in the fuck? She doesn't even deserve it. This is stupid. And 
I will say just because you have a strong opinion about something doesn't mean that that opinion is true across everywhere. I'll be honest. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to watch the TV show. It sounds like a mix of like Gossip Girl and The Bold Type. And like, I fucking love that stuff. If it sounds like a if it sounds like the CW network would pick it up, you better believe I'm watching. Anyway, and also it's just like, you know, people do love gossip and this isn't like the story of like, you know, there's not going to be a voice changer in it. I think it's going to be fun and I like it. And I'm not just saying that to get unblocked because I have really leveled with the fact that I will forever be blocked and that is okay. But can I say something? Because right now, <laughs> it's so funny. Sometimes when I do these podcasts, I feel like nobody's listening and it's great. Right now, I feel like nobody's listening to this. So I feel like it's just our little secret. I will say time is of the essence. Um, I'm going to put up on Monday a question on my Instagram story of who you think, because like we have to do the speedy quick guys, of who you think Dumois is, because here's the thing. <laughs> and I would never say it out loud because that is, you know, despite how much I talk about Taylor Swift being queer, I am not a fan of outing people in any way, whether it be, you know, anything queer or anything docsworthy. But I will say, since Dumois has blocked me, when you get blocked by someone, you get blocked by every account they have created with that IP address or that phone number. So if there is a personal account and I try to look up, you know, like let's say you think um, Jessica Simpson is Dumois, right? I could search Jessica Simpson on Instagram and if I'm blocked by Jessica Simpson, that would be like, oh shit, maybe that's a sign that Jessica Simpson is Dumois. Do you follow me? I've tried it with a couple people that people suggest online. I've tried it with Girl With No Job didn't work. I tried it with like Lizzie Shapiro. I was recording with X Knows All and she was like, oh, I heard it was Lizzie Shapiro. Didn't work. But I'm down to like try it with a few more people just to see. Oh, also like she definitely has to be giving up her identity at some point. There's no way you could be anonymous while you have a book and a TV show. I think that's going to fold within the year. But anyway, let's move on to the next topic. I Look at me. See, I'm blocked and I'm still doing all this free promo. What What is it going to take? All right. What I want to talk about next is Lori Harvey. I love Lori Harvey. And it's completely, uh, oh my God, super superficial for me to say that because I know basically fucking nothing about her. I just think that she's beautiful. So I'm like, oh, like I like her so much because she's beautiful. Obviously, I know that she is the daughter of Steve Harvey, which makes her looks that much more baffling. I mean, here's the thing. Steve Harvey, Steve, Steve Harvey, Steve Harvey has a hot wife, which obviously made me look up his net worth because I'm like, if you have a hot wife, what's your net worth? Also, when I looked it up, this was interesting. It says his net worth is $200 million. But first of all, like I never trust anyone's net worth that you see online. Cause it's like, how, like, how do you know that? How does Google know that? Most of the times they don't, but I did find out these facts, which I think are true. It says that he gets paid an average of $10 million a year for hosting Family Feud. And then he makes another $20 million annually for hosting his radio show. And this was from an article of May in this year. I didn't even know that he had a radio show. Also, $20 million for a radio show? Like, Jesus Christ, could we turn this podcast into a radio show or something? I didn't, that's like so much money. That's like unbelievable. Do you want to know something else too? Let me look it up here. My uncle was telling me, me this the other day. Judge Judy is like the richest bitch you've ever met. Okay, Judge Judy is worth $440 million and she makes, okay, yeah. 
She was making $47 million a year while filming Judge Judy, and she made more than each episode. Are you ready for this? Each episode, she made more than $391,000. Isn't that funny? You know what would be funny if talking about like call to actions and like funny signs for protests, if instead of tax the rich, it was just like tax Judge Judy, and the people would be like, what? And then you'd be like, I'm spreading awareness. People don't know that she's like really rich. You just think of her as Judge Judy. Anyway, let's get back to Lori Harvey. So her and her mom, I'm going to post photos of her and her mom on my Instagram this week. They just like are the most chic couple. Steve Harvey, I'm kind of fascinated by, right? We all know him. I love the TikTok sound, right? Name something that you want your girl to do to your face. Sit on it. <laughs> I love all of those videos. Okay, but... I have heard of Steve Harvey through like the red pill woman communities. Don't give me shit. It's like if you're on Reddit long enough, like you end up looking, you know, female dating strategy, all of that stuff. You're like, what are they talking about over there? And Steve Harvey has written a book called Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man. What men really think about love, relationships, intimacy, and commitment. And it's the same um, kind of gist of all of these books. Guys, I've bought all of them. This is like a podcast for another time, but why men love bitches. I've also gone really red pill with like the um the surrendered wife and the surrendered single. And also, what are the other ones? Um, women are from Venus, men are from Mars. Like I've read, I'm so fascinated by all that stuff. I think if you read too much of it, which God knows there was a period in time where I did, it is really damaging. Like you need to read this stuff in small doses because otherwise I will like upset. I will be like literally like if I age one day, I am like worthless and like everything is just depends on my looks, which, you know, like there are some facts in books like these where they're like, you know, men, men do want to be with some sort of virginal, beautiful young woman and their job is to protect you. So anyway, his book, I haven't read it yet, but when people talk about it, they kind of talk about it in the same vein as this. And I will read a little bit of an excerpt. Right here, we'll, we'll go through the chapters. And this is pretty similar to a lot of the other books. And I do think that there is a lot of truth in it, but I wouldn't say I agree with all of it. Chapter one, they're talking about the mindset of men. And I will say like, I, at least in my relationship, I think this is pretty true. And I think a lot of girls can relate. It's the whole situation of like, you say that you have a problem at work and all you want your boyfriend to do is be like, you know what? Your coworker sounds like a bitch. And then you'd be like, she is. And then you move on with the rest of your day. But it's when instead your boyfriend's like, well, what if you set up a one-on-one -on -one to talk with your coworker about how she does blah, blah. And then you're like, oh my God, could you stop giving me a solution to the problem? Like, I just want, I just want to vent anyway. And like, girls get it and guys don't. And that's just because girls, uh, you know, Girls and guys work differently. Anyway, that's some of the stuff he talks about. And he also talks a lot in this relationship, which I think is interesting based on Steve Harvey's career, about how men need to succeed first and how it's only after they've been successful that then they're like, okay, let me look for a relationship and things like that. And also, you know, different things like men do not express you know, hashtag not all men, but this is not my words. Men do not express their love through communication and caring like women do, but men express their love through demonstrations of ownership and control and stuff. Anyway, so some people have said that the book is incredible. Some people have said that the book is really harmful. I just think it's interesting. And I always wonder too, like if your father wrote this book, I wonder how he explained like romantic relationships to you when you were growing up and things like that. So let's take a look at some of Lori Harvey's relationships because there's a lot behind that. 
Okay, so obviously we know that she's with Michael B. Jordan right now, and we're going to get into some of the blinds on that. They, I think November of 2020, they came out as like a public couple, but I think, no, 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 November in 2020, I think there was like a photo of them going and spending Thanksgiving together, and then January of 2021, I think they publicly said that they were together or something like that, whatever. They've been together for about two years. That's what you need to know. And a lot of people say that Lori Harvey is like a little bit of like a star fucker because she has, which is funny that people would say star fucker to describe Lori Harvey, but like Taylor Swift is a uh, serial dater. You know what I mean? Like it's always a different label, like thrown on someone who's literally just dating at at what I would say is a very normal pace. Now, there is a little bit of drama because there are rumors that she dated Diddy after dating his son. Now, these are all just rumors. Lori Harvey right now is 25. Diddy's son is 24. And Diddy, I think, is 52. Which, you know, age gaps happen in Hollywood. But something about a father-son combination. Fascinating. Uh, She also dated Future. And then there are rumors that she dated Trey Songs. And I think in 2017, she was, I was looking it up. She said that she was engaged to a Dutch footballer. And it said that in a bunch of different articles, which I always find, you know, then other articles were like, he's a soccer player. But, you know, I guess whatever. It's it's a different language. So she's dated more than a few people. And I think it's just also when you're a celebrity and you're dating, I I imagine, let's say, let's say you date three different celebrities celebrities over the course of three years, which to me, that sounds normal. I think it's just like with each celebrity, you have all of their fandoms and their stands and like things like that getting involved in it, which just makes it messy. So previously, I'm pretty sure that Lori Harvey has been pretty low key about a lot of her relationships. And a lot of people are wondering with this Michael B. Jordan situation, is it bearding? Is it PR? Is it real? Because the difference, I think both of them have been very private about past relationships, but now they're like calling each other uh, pet names online, lots of uh, photos together. And also a lot of the photos have like sponsors kind of tagged into them or they're like professional photos rather than, I don't know, like a grainy selfie at home or something like that. Also, it's very interesting. Steve Harvey was asked about what he thinks about their relationship. And it's kind of similar to what he said in the book, because I think a lot of what he says in the book is basically like, you cannot trust a man. We are horny. (laughs) And he basically said something where he's like, I like Michael B. Jordan, but I always keep what did he say like a thumb size amount of hatred in my heart for like anyone my daughter is dating in case I ever need to like hate them overnight what's that quote too where it's like oh that's why your father and brother are always like be careful when you go out because like they know how a man's mind works and that's like why they don't want you to be with men which I always hate how people now now I'm kind of going on a rant but I always hate how people are like yeah like that's why we say be careful to our daughters because we know how men think And then like their favorite athlete comes out as a sexual predator and they're like, hashtag not all men. It's like, which one is it? Which one is it? Are you guys all creepy and horny and like trying to abuse women or is it like not all men or is it like some but not? You know what I mean? Okay, let's get back to Lori Harvey and Michael B. Jordan. Now, a lot of people were like, is she bearding for him because Michael B. Jordan's old assistant made allegations on the Juicy Scoop podcast saying that he was like, I was kind of getting like a little bit of a vibe, Jordan. So he was saying that, um, which by the way, just reading about all of this, I was like, thank God I did not have an assistant. They would file for harassment so quick. So he was basically saying 
Michael B. Jordan would walk around the house in his boxers and with no shirt on, which, yeah, like it's his house. Anyway, and then he said that Jordan would be very flirtatious to everyone around, saying that he would even, quote, flirt with a wall. And that this assistant was very young at his time. He was in his 20s, and he felt that they had a moment while the two were in his closet alone. He claims that Michael B. Jordan asked, are we going to kiss, which made him, quote, speechless and twitching. Anyway, um, I personally think that's—call me crazy. I will say— I do take like the sexual harassment training at work and sometimes I'm like I could have been reported just because you know sometimes you have a sense of humor sometimes you make jokes and they don't land Mm. I don't know I think walking around with your shirt off in your house while your assistant is there if it's your house as long as you're not naked and then also joking like if you're in a tight space and being like oh my god like are we about to kiss right now I, I think that's totally fine but whatever now a lot of people there really have been gay rumors about Michael B. Jordan so you know I had a go to the blinds and see what was going on. And I especially wanted to do this too because so many people were like, oh my God, Lori Harvey has like dated so many men in like such a short period of time. And we know Taylor Swift got that too. And something that I think is very interesting is when you look at the whole bearding PR relationship aspect of it, it kind of takes away these labels, right? So the whole idea of like Kristen Stewart being a cheater because she cheated on Robert Pattinson with that like director. And to be fair, I think the director, whoever he was, was married at the time. So that's not good. But it's like it if she was in a PR relationship with Robert Pattinson to promote Twilight, then she wasn't a cheater because she was in a fake relationship to try and sell the movie. Do you know what I mean? And I think the same thing with Taylor Swift. And part of me wonders, just, you know, I can't go a single episode without bringing up that Taylor Swift could maybe be a little bit queer, is maybe that's why she's so upset over the whole, like, wow, she, like, dates all of these men and she flies around collecting men when she's like, you know what, all of these relationships were beards and God damn it, I've never done any of that. And I wonder the same thing with Lori Harvey too. What if some of these relationships are PR or bearding and everybody's like, wow, she's such a star fucker. And she's like, actually, I am like a professional beard. So I wanted to dive in and see what the blinds say. And let me tell you, the blinds say that uh, it seems like it's a PR thing and not a bearding thing. Because let me read you some of the blinds about this. This A-list mostly movie actor who has multiple movie franchises and is a serial cheater is cheating on his latest girlfriend who is a celebrity offspring. So obviously people think that's about Michael B. Jordan, Lori Harvey being the celebrity offspring of Steve Harvey. Then we have another one. This A-list mostly movie actor with the name so famous he had to add a little bit extra. I mean, come on, that's Michael B. Jordan. Is currently sleeping with several women, none of whom are known by his supposed girlfriend. And then there was another blind to about like him cheating on her while they were spending Thanksgiving together and you know with women so here's the thing I'm I'm I would vote not bearding would it be maybe it's just a regular relationship and he's getting cheated on now what we know about Steve Harvey makes me think this is a PR relationship I think it is beneficial for both of them I mean god they look so fucking good together Mm. and I would say the only reason why I think it isn't real is because I think Steve Harvey is like a man who will like fuck you up if you cheat on his daughter and with all of these different blinds about like how egregiously he's allegedly cheating on Lori Harvey I think Steve Harvey would have 
have like cut his dick off by now. So that's my guess. This is all alleged. I'm going with PR and I think it's working for both of them. Anyway, the reason that I was thinking about Lori Harvey is because she was speaking about um, how she got her body to look so good for the Met. She wore this dress at the Met, which I mean, of course she looked fantastic. I will say anyone who goes to the Met, I, I want them to be in a gown. I want them to be in something like that you couldn't just wear to any other black tie event. Do you know what I do you know what I mean by that? She looked good and it was long. It had like this long train behind her, but the dress that she wore to the Vanity Fair Oscars party, I think that would be more of a Met Gala dress cuz she had this like I don't even know how to describe it, but like this huge piece of artwork kind of coming off of the corset. To me that was just like more Met Gala than what she wore. Anyway, so people were asking her, they're like, how did you get your body to look so good? And she made a TikTok basically saying, and I think in a different interview too, basically saying that when she got together with Mike, Michael B. Jordan, that she gained 15 pounds of relationship weight and none of her clothes fit and it was just not okay. So she's been doing Pilates consistently for the last year. Um, and then she also spoke about being in a calorie deficit, saying that she was consuming maybe 1,200 calories a day max. And she was trying to do things like meat and veggies and like minimal carbs. Obviously, there's a lot of outrage. People are saying that um, it's just not okay to be in a calorie deficit and promote things like that. And I have to say, like, I'm a little bit confused here because I feel like I've seen so many things and maybe I just need to accept that the internet is perpetually in a state of outrage about like fucking anything and everything. But you see Bella Hadid eating a piece of pizza and saying that she likes that and everyone's like, fuck you. We know you aren't eating the pizza. Like you're lying. And then Lori Harvey's like, yes, I was on a calorie deficit to look like this. And then people are like, you're promoting unhealthy eating practices. And it's just kind of like when you ask a celebrity how they got their body, you're either going to get two answers and you're not going to be happy with either of them. You're either going to get a lie where they're like, oh, I just like manifest a good body and it works. And we know that that isn't true. Or you're going to get the truth of the matter, which is like surgery that is unrealistic for most people to get, a diet that is unrealistic for most people to be able to eat, or uh, an exercise routine that like people can't do because they have nine to five fucking jobs. Um, and then people are upset about that. So I don't know. I, I, I find it a little bit hypocritical when people are like, tell us what your eating pattern is. And then someone's like, trust me, it's like pretty intense. And then everyone's like, you're promoting something bad. I don't know. They're just kind of saying what they do. And maybe I'm fucked up about this too. You know, I don't have the best mentality around eating and things like that. But I do think if you're a celebrity, I kind of get it now. You're kind of damned if you do. And you're kind of damned if you don't. Okay. Can we talk about something spooky now? Let's talk about something spooky. You might've seen Kevin Spacey in the news, that creepy little motherfucker. Um, different headlines saying that he is set to return with a new historical drama. And I will say, I'm going to try to give you the actual information about all of this because I see a lot of people online are like, Me Too isn't real. And trust me, we will get into that. But a lot of people are like, Me Too isn't real. And like, he's back in Hollywood. Um, I will say this is not like a Hollywood film. This is some sort of like art indie project that they're going to try to distribute to the con festival and things like that. So like you're not going to 
go to an AMC theater and be seeing Kevin Spacey anytime soon. I think he's also like funding part of this. So I think he's like funding this project to try and put himself back into something and maybe just see if he's palatable. So I think it's like a thriller from what I can see. And he's going to be in the lead role. And it's called Peter 5-8. Anyway, now what's interesting is that this is a different movie. You might have heard something last year. People were saying that Kevin Spacey was going to return to acting with a role in this Italian film called The Man Who Drew God. And it's about this like blind priest or artist who like is facing pedophile accusations. And what I really thought was interesting about that, I don't think it's clear if he actually was in that movie or if he's going to be in it. What I thought was interesting is that it kind of goes along. Have you ever heard the Walt Disney conspiracy theory where there's this theory that Walt Disney was chirogenically frozen and the movie with Elsa and Anna they decided to call it Frozen to kind of fight off those conspiracy theories because before this movie existed, if you typed in Walt Disney Frozen, you would see all of the theories that Walt Disney the man was frozen. And now, post the movie Frozen, you type in Walt Disney Frozen, you are just seeing pictures of Elsa, Anna, uh, and a snowman everywhere until you get to page like 90 of Google. And I thought it was interesting ballsy and kind of fucking nuts that he was thinking of maybe playing this role in a pedophile movie and like my conspiracy brain was like oh because then when you type in Kevin Spacey pedophile what you're gonna see is his role in this Italian movie rather than a lot of the accusations and I just realized too maybe not everybody knows about the accusations but Kevin Spacey was accused um by lots of men and a lot of underage I think that they were underage. They were very, very young. It was also definitely underage. And this was kind of happening around COVID. And Kevin Spacey took the time. This is how he responded to the accusations by coming out and saying like, yes, um, you know, I am part of the LGBTQ community. It was basically like the, it struck everyone as so weird because they were like, you're trying to have us celebrate you coming out, which should be celebrated, but you're using this. And like, you've never supported the LGBT community before. And now that you have these accusations, you're using your sexuality as kind of this like trump card to get away from these accusations. And there were lots spanning over the years. Also, you know, I'll post it on Instagram, but we do have photos of Kevin Spacey with Ghislaine Maxwell, multiple different occasions. We do know that he was on the flight logs with um, Bill Clinton, Jeffrey Epstein, and Chris Tucker. They did that trip uh, all around different parts of Africa, I believe, together. Anyway, so he's just always been in the blinds as this creepy motherfucker. And I was so excited when all of the news came out because I was like, yes, fantastic. We fucking got one. Now... We are in the year 2022, and what you might not know is that in 2019, three of Kevin Spacey's accusers died um, all in the same year, which I was looking it up on Reddit, and it's really interesting, especially now after this Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, I'm like, hmm, how many bot teams are out there kind of trying to change the narrative of something? Because someone on Reddit would be like, wow, isn't it crazy? Like, you have to admit it's crazy that three of the accusers all died in the same year. And they would get 50 downvotes. And then someone below them with 100 upvotes would be like, it's actually not that crazy at all. Like, people die all the time. And I'm like, I was like, what? am I taking crazy pills? Like, no, it's, it's, it's very fucking, first of all, to have three different accusers, probably not great. Probably not great if you're having three accusers. So let's start there. 
Secondly, if three of them die in the same year, you have to, like, here's the thing. Like, I'm not even going full-fledged conspiracy theory yet. We need to be able to say that's a little funky, right? What kind of world are we living in? Okay, so the first one is Ari Ben, and he is a former Nor Norwegian royal, and he accused Kevin Spacey of sexual assault in 2017. And he basically said that years ago, he was at a Nobel Peace Prize concert in Oslo in 2007, and that Kevin Spacey groped him under the table. And he had a wife at this time, and the story was basically that they were seated next to each other at the table. Kevin Spacey was like, oh, we should go have a cigarette outside, and he groped his balls. And Ari is like, he said he was just so confused and shocked that he was like, oh, like maybe later. Which, yeah, I feel like literally any instance of sexual abuse or sexual assault you are just like frozen in place shocked and you don't know what the fuck to do so that was something that he had said and he died by suicide when he was 47 which everyone on reddit is like suicide happens it's not that rare and of course but what's really weird about this is that kevin spacey puts out these fucked up Christmas videos on YouTube basically for the last couple of years, although he didn't do it last year. And he plays this character. We all know that he was in House of Cards uh, playing Frank Underwood. And he plays this character of Frank Underwood giving like a Christmas monologue to the camera in this very unsettling, creepy way. Please look it up on YouTube. It's one of those things too. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that the Illuminati is fucking talking to him, but you have to be up your own asshole and around the corner to think that this is like a normal video to post on YouTube, especially when all of these allegations already existed about him. So anyway, he posts this video on YouTube wishing everyone a Merry Christmas and saying that to his enemies, he plans on, you know, he's just going to kill him with kindness. And then a few hours after that video is when this person who did accuse Kevin Spacey of sexual assault committed suicide. So that's just one, okay? I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that's what happened. Then, number two, we only know of him as John Doe. Um, he is an anonymous accuser, and he was a massage therapist, mm -hmm. and he accused Kevin Spacey in a lawsuit, and they were set to go to trial in September of 2019. And one month before the trial was about to begin, um, news came out that John Doe had died. And... His story about Kevin Spacey says that he was hired to give Kevin Spacey a massage at his home in Malibu in October 2016, that he was greeted by the actor. They went to an upstairs bedroom. Kevin Spacey locked the door behind them. And then he told the masseuse that he was having discomfort in his groin. He laid down on the table face up. And John Doe says that allegedly Kevin Spacey forced his hand to his testicles. He jumped back in surprise. Kevin Spacey then allegedly complimented his eyes, tried to kiss him, and offered him oral sex. John Doe says that he allegedly um, asked Kevin Spacey to let him leave multiple times before the actor finally stopped blocking his way. Now, a lot of people, which is interesting, at least on Reddit, maybe I'm on the wrong sides of the internet, but I was getting really inflamed reading these comments, obviously, as you can tell. They were like, there's no way that Kevin Spacey would have, like, you guys are crazy. There's no way that a hit would have been put out on this guy um, because he's anonymous. Like, they don't even know who he was. And I'm just like, okay, so, wow, way to give yourself away that you definitely don't hashtag believe all victims. Because immediately in my mind, I was like, it doesn't matter that it's John Doe. Kevin Spacey probably has a record of the masseuses that he hired in 2016, and he knows who he, you know, allegedly fucking fondled, and he would know who this person was. Anyway, 
A source from Variety said that John Doe passed away from cancer, um, but, you know, being into blinds, I also know that a source could be fucking anyone, like, you know what I mean? And also, the um, lawyer who was representing John Doe did say that the family was really shocked by the death and not expecting it. And I would just think if it's cancer, you know, of course you're shocked when anyone passed away, but I don't know. So that was the second accuser of Kevin Spacey that died in 2019. The third one is Linda Colkin. And this one is the one where I will say it's a little bit hairy. Um, so she was a former nursing assistant and she was 59 when she died. She was struck by a car in Massachusetts and there were no charges filed against the driver. And I know that at first sounds a little bit suspicious, but I will say apparently she was crossing a crosswalk and the light was green and that's when it happened. So it wasn't like, I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't there. Anyway, and I will say the reason that's a little bit hairy is because she is an accuser. So she was the first to accuse him of misconduct against young men. She, but then she began cyber stalking him in 2019 because one of her patients, I said she was a former nursing assistant, accused Kevin Spacey of attacking him. Then in 2014, she was sentenced to more than four years in prison because she would send Kevin Spacey and his associates like death and bomb threats and things like that. So I'm kind of like, yeah, she's an accuser, but also she sounds uh, a little bit unwell and like, I don't think you're supposed to send anyone a death or a bomb threat. I think we can agree on that. So anyway, I think I have a rational take on this, which is that no to the death and the bomb threats, but it is very weird that three accusers all died in 2019. You have to at least admit that that is weird. And I also will say the videos that Kevin Spacey puts out, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to post them on Instagram. They are weird. They are creepy. They are unsettling. And the way that he spoke out about these um, allegations by coming out, that was weird. And then after these accusations happened and he was laying low to put out these creepy fucking Frank Underwood YouTube videos, that's weird too, okay? So I'm not saying that anyone was assassinated, but do you want to know what makes me, what really gets me suspicious is the fact that nobody online can say that it's weird, right? That is the thing that makes me suspicious is that somebody posts an article and they're like, holy shit, three accusers died in the same year. And everyone in the comment section is like, that's totally normal. That actually happened to me and my mom. It's like, what? No, it didn't. Like now I know you're lying and now I think it's even weirder. So anyway, those are my thoughts on Kevin Spacey. And now we're going to wrap it up because Sophie Turner has been in the news lately. Um, did not like her Met Gala dress, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, she's been in the news lately about a couple of things. One, saying that that she struggled a lot with eating during COVID and she had a live-in therapist with her and then also giving um, some comments about what happened with her time at Game of Thrones. So she was being interviewed about it and she, you know, we all know, well, if you watch Game of Thrones, you know, she played Sansa Stark and she had some really horrific plot lines, which I think is just one of those things too where like Game of Thrones has lots of controversies because there are brutal Trigger warning, by the way. There are brutal abuse scenes, rape scenes, things like that. And I think it was a lot more intense in the first season and the second season, you know, a little bit of less of that as the seasons went on. Although there was a scene where Sansa gets raped by Ramsey Bolton on her wedding night and they like force someone to watch and it's really fucked up. I think I had to watch it through my fingers. And basically somebody was asking her in an interview like, hey, how do you get through all of this? Um, what do you do when you're filming? And especially I said, I've been watching the Purge movies. I always wonder, is it creepy to film a fight scene or a horror scene or like a rape scene? Or is it 
you know, do you get lost in it and it's scary? Or this is what I think when I watch horror movies, especially like Stranger Things where like, or it, where the kids are being chased by the clown. I'm like, are those kids terrified? And then I just think, well, you know what? There's probably 40 people around them with the boom mic. So like, it's not as scary. And basically Sophie Turner was saying, oh, you know, we just tried to have a lot of fun in between the takes to kind of offset uh, what was going on. And she said that she didn't really comprehend the severity of uh, the subject matters because she was young. She was 15 when Game of Thrones started. And I think she was 17 or 19 when this scene happened. Now, this was interesting. So in the interview, she was asked, does it still, uh, about the scenes, does it still affect you like some type of trauma? And Sophie Turner says, I'm sure I'll exhibit some symptoms of trauma down the road. At that age, I don't think I could comprehend a lot of the scene matter. I don't know. Let me tell, I'll tell you what I thought about this because I thought a couple things. It kind of gave me a little bit of the same energy as when Demi Lovato said, you know, down the, let me pull up the exact quote. Okay, this was it. It's when Demi Lovato was talking about their gender journey. And Demi said, there might be a time where I identify as trans. There might be a time where I identify as non-binary. Um, I one day might identify as trans. And that quote, I think, is kind of not the cousin, but it, it struck me as similar to this quote. I'm sure I'll exhibit some symptoms of trauma down the road. And I, I will say this. At first, I was kind of like, what? Like, that scene happened seven years ago. Game of Thrones ended four years ago. And now in an interview, seven years after the scene, you're saying that down the road, you might exhibit some symptoms of trauma. Um, but here's what I'll say, too. One in three women um, around the world have an experience with sexual or physical violence. Um I know I have. I know that literally every single one of my female friends that I've spoken to has as well. So I think why people are kind of being upset by this quote and Sophie Turner talking about this, I've seen a lot of comments of people being like, she is just an actress like trying to get like, oh, wow, woe is me victim points. Like she acted in a scene and like it's four years later. Who knows? I would say if she's saying this, she probably already found it pretty traumatic. And like I say, one in three women go through something like this. What's probably not being said is maybe Sophie Turner has had an experience of something like this, and that's why it was especially traumatic for her. Also, the scene was just so fucked up. Um, and even the actor who played Ramsey, he said that filming that scene was the worst day of his career. And I think that says a lot, too. And then that also just makes me so upset with the directors and, like... I don't know, this whole idea that, like, to make a woman a strong, powerful character, she really needs to go through something hard. And for Frodo, it's a hike to get rid of a ring. But for a woman, it's always to be brutally raped. And, like, that helps their character. And I think that is so fucked up. Especially to show it. Like, why are you showing it? It could be done, you know, same with, like, a sex scene. You can show that by the door closing. If you need to have the rape scene for the plot... I think you could, it could be shown through dialogue. It could be, you know, something like that. I don't think that we all had to see it. And it was really fucked up to watch. Anyway, so that's my take on that. I still don't know what it's like for kids who are working in horror movies and things like that. You know, like the little girls in The Shining and stuff. And I do remember um, that kid who was in Stranger Things and he was also in It. I do remember him saying, like, I was 
terrified of, um, you know, some of those scenes. But I also wonder, are they just saying that to get people into the movie theater or are they actually terrified? Who knows? Okay. I think we are uh, wrapping up. Let me just see if there's anything else. Uh, there's, there is. The Kardashians have been in the news so much, but I'm sticking to my vow. I will not be speaking about them. Or the way that they cut a cucumber, all I will say is that it's very obviously a fucking PR stunt. She knows how to cut a cucumber. This is what they do. This is what they do. All right. And that's about it. Uh, next week, we are going, I'll give you a little sneak peek if you are, you know, just feeling like you want to relax this week and maybe watch a movie and maybe you don't want to watch the Purge movies like I suggested. Transformers. When was the last time you watched that? It's a very interesting movie. It features Shia LaBeouf. Megan Fox, and a notoriously rotted director, Michael Bay. And, you know, maybe one day we will cover something like that. So maybe if you want to watch it this week, that could be a fun thing to do. Also, uh, I just want to read and shout out to some of the lovely, lovely, lovely reviews. Somebody said, five stars. I love the way that she's been splicing in old interview clips and the guests have been great. Shout out to Aphrodite last week. I apps I... I think that he is the best. And also, if you follow him on TikTok, which you should, you would know that one of his predictions about Megan the Stallion came true recently. So that's always fun to check out. We have another five-star review, and the title of the username is annoyed, question mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark got a little bit worried when I saw that username and they say honestly best podcast I love when she has different guests but still has time to go over a few things by herself don't get me started on her voice it's so calming I don't feel like she is yelling at me like other podcasts I have felt that way before too and then the last one I'm going to read is love five stars such a fun and interesting podcast I never even knew what blinds were before listening to Shannon and now I listen every week and then make my husband listen to recaps as always if you want to join in on the conversation fluentlyforward.com substack.com you can go there we do newsletter recaps and kind of like a little bit of a deeper dive of what we are talking about um on the podcast each week they go out every friday they're free newsletters i feel like this friday we're gonna have to do gwyneth paltrow blind items it's just like the vibe that i'm getting so if you want those sign up and then also you can comment on the different newsletters and i like that too because i think it's fun i think it's fun for everyone to talk to each other all right thank you so much for hanging out with me and I will see you next Monday for a new episode of maybe Transformer Blind Items. And it may be with a special guest called X Knows All if you want to check out her podcast um, as well. She did an incredible episode on Shia LaBeouf. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. All right. I will talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.